Hey, welcome back to Disciple 52. I'm John Norman, and I'm in the studio with producer extraordinaire Sam Baker. That's me, Sam Baker. What's going on, Sam? Had a pretty busy day, but did you? Uh, good. But you've made time. You've carved out time. That's right. For the kingdom of God. Yeah. Not that you weren't doing other things for the kingdom of God, because I actually know you have already carved <laughs> out some time earlier today because Sam and I sat on a board together of uh, a local ministry here, local now, soon to be worldwide. Worldwide. <laughs> Titus Ranch. And so uh, doing great work uh, recruiting and matching and training mentors. And uh, If you're interested, TitusRanch.org. That's right. You can search that, yep. look at it, Yep. sign up for more information. If you want to make a difference in the life of a child. and So here's the bottom line, you know, Mission Moultrie and Titus Ranch, we have a common goal, and that is we want to end fatherlessness in Cockwell County. By? Introducing people or children to the father. Yes, and... The everlasting Speaking of how, why do we call God Father? Because Matthew hits on that constantly. Bam. Father, Father, What a Father. great segue. What a great segue, Sam. Yeah. And when we say Matthew <clears throat> talks about Father, 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 we really mean that Jesus, yeah, Jesus. talked about Father, Father, yes. Father. And so, um, so we, this is week... This 22. Is, this is week 22. So we have been through the book of John. Yep. If you're doing Disciple 52, this is the Disciple 52 podcast. I it think is. we said that. I think we did. Yeah. Um, we're in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're not going through the whole book of Matthew like we did John. No. Yeah. We're, we're, hitting, we're hitting the high spots, uh, the temptation of Christ, and the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, which is the bulk of his teaching. Yeah. Um, and so... So we're going to try to fill in some gaps. Yep. So John, we had the luxury of experiencing all that John wrote and yep. picking up on his themes and mm-hmm. recurring uh, themes and mechanisms that he used to tell his story. Now we're in Matthew, and since we're just doing 4 through 7, um, we'll try to fill in some gaps sure. for you. All right. Um, so first is, um, Matthew, so something important, Matthew's got a lot going on, but here's some things that might help you pick up on. One, the first part of Matthew and all of Matthew is really concerned with almost reframing the Jesus story in terms of the Exodus story, the Moses story showing how Jesus is like the archetypal Moses. Okay. Like Moses was just a type or a shadow mm-hmm. of, of a Jesus. Forerunner. Right. And so he's going to, in you know, his flight to Egypt, his mm-hmm. um, there's a genocide of, of children mm-hmm. recounted in Matthew. Uh, even the baptism of going through the waters and then out immediately wow, out into the desert. Interesting. So that's where we pick up the story. If that's you... what I love about having you on the podcast, Sam. <laughs> I've never, you know, I've been studying the Bible a long time and I've never heard of those comparisons, but 
That's awesome. Yeah, because Matthew, is, you know, you'll hear often that Matthew is writing his gospel to the Jews, but what what we mean by that is Jewish or ethnic Jews who are Jesus followers. So they would have made probably those connections really easily. Yeah. So he's going to— That you're talking about between Jesus and Moses and all the similarities. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to see— But it's important for us to get, like, the gospel— Because evangelicals use the gospel in this sense that this is how we get people saved. Right. This is what we tell unbelievers to make them believers, which— is um, valuable in some sense. I don't want to no. dismantle that. But what I'm saying, this book was probably written to Jews who were Jesus followers who had already heard the good news. Mm. So it wasn't necessarily an evangelistic them. Yeah, this was work. not to convince them right. of who Jesus it was. It was to help them have a deeper understanding of how Jesus fulfilled all the messianic and what Jesus's teachings were. Right. I mean, I I really think when you go into like chapter, if you read all of Matthew and you go into that, what's called the Olivet Discourse, which is kind of this apocalyptic mm-hmm. vision of what's going to happen, it's really recounting a lot of the persecution that those uh, Jewish Jesus followers mm-hmm. were experiencing to the lead up to the destruction of the temple. Matthew's helping them frame Jesus and what they, they're suffering because of Jesus in the story of their people. Uh. So he's taking it back like, this is the story of our people. I'm going to help you frame what's happening now to mm-hmm. you. That this persecution in terms of who you are as God's people and and the church. Okay. Right? Um, I think that was what... uh, It's kind of like what the situation Matthew was writing to. So as non-Jewish readers, Mm -hmm. um, what is the value of the book of the gospel of Matthew to us. So Matthew, um, another mechanism he's going to really key in on is the picking up on the contrast between religious insiders and religious Mm. outsiders. Okay. So you're going to see the crowds versus the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. You're going to see, um, the Pharisees versus the disciples, mm-hmm. the poor versus the rich. Mm-hmm. The, the, you're going to see the people who should be close to that religious center, mm-hmm. which is going to be the temple for the most part. Um, you're going to see them challenged as Jesus continually welcomes in the the outsider, the mm. meek, the the ones who live out in Galilee. I got you. You know, not, you know, Jesus didn't go immediately to Jerusalem. Not the prominent. 
Right. He didn't go to the center of the temple and announce his kingdom. He did it way Not out. to the powerful. Right. And and he works himself into the inside. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get this sense that the inside was rotten at the core. Mm. Like me. Right. And so that the these outsiders were being excluded for like no good reason. Right. You know, maybe they wore their rottenness on the outside. Mm-hmm. But Jesus exposes and, that wherever he goes. And I so. know for four, five, six, and seven, the the, the chapters that we're going to cover, um, it's it's really, I think for me as a non-Jewish, you know, believer, not really, you know, I, I've, I never. Yeah, you're not. A, I would have never connected. Jewish yeah, I would have never. I, I had never just reading it myself. I had never connected this to anything in the, that Moses did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Other than where Jesus says, "You know, you have been told this." You know, which was what Moses, the law that Moses had given. It's been you've been taught this, and and I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. I'm going to take what you've yeah. been taught. And so, but also just that he's talking a lot about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much in chapter four, but as we get into five, six, and seven. Oh, absolutely. He, he's talking yeah. a lot about the kingdom of God. And so, you know, it's really, you know, uh, helps us to understand what the kingdom of God looks like. I mean, he's very yes. clear here. And I think a lot of times, um, and, and, and we'll we'll talk about that some more when we get into the Sermon of the Mount. You'll hear but. in commentaries and such like, well, just a, one one more like throwback to the whole Moses thing. You, there, there's a popular way to break down Matthew structurally mm-hmm. where there's five blocks of teaching, like the five books of the Torah. Oh wow, okay. that kind of stuff. Um, but you'll hear the Sermon on the Mount really described as the economy, Mm -hmm. the description of the economy of the kingdom or the ethic of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like this is where Jesus lays out the ethical structure of the kingdom of God. Now, I have heard, um, just jumping into chapter 4 here, Mm -hmm. um, I have heard that the temptation of Christ and the Holy Spirit leading him into the desert Mm -hmm. is... Does parallel the nation of Israel, God leading yeah, the nation of days, Israel. 40 years. Yeah, forty days, forty years. Him leading the nation of Israel and how they gave into every temptation. Yeah, yeah, they failed. <laughs> they failed miserably, and because of their humanity, because of their sin yeah. nature. And here we see Jesus is triumphant. Yeah, in his um, desert experience, right? Which we needed him to be, right? Or else he could not have. Yeah, well, he been wouldn't be the Messiah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, we're not going to recount the whole thing. I think. Well, my the verse I chose is structurally significant. But what? Tell us what you. Uh, no, you go first. Okay, so mine is uh, four seventeen. Um. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A couple of super interesting... This is like 
one of the most pivotal pivotal verses in the beginning of Matthew. It basically cuts off. It starts a new complete block okay. of teachings okay. and happenings. Okay. Um, because there's gonna be there's gonna be another time in Matthew where it says from that time on, and oh, that kind of okay. starts another block. Um, yeah. So it's significant that the word preach is used here because after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is gonna send his disciples out and tell them to preach. Okay. The good, this good news. Okay. Um, but we're gonna find in chapter, like chapter five, mm-hmm. it says Jesus began teaching them. Okay. And throughout all of Matthew, only Jesus teaches. Huh. But the disciples are called to preach. Mm. Different words, different words in the Greek. Until we get to Matthew twenty-eight and the Great Commission, oh. and he commissions them baptizing them, teaching them to do, is, is make disciples of all nations, yep. baptizing them and in the teaching. name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And so you get this cool transition. It's like, okay, I just want you to preach the good news, preach the good news, preach the good news, and then, and what is that good news? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. It's not, conv- go convince everybody and engage in this these apologetics or do hand out tracts or right, whatever. Right, right. It's, it's very simple. Preach. You preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And um, well, it's a whole lot of time to go in, break this. This is one of my favorite verses ever <laughs> just because it has realigned my thinking of how we approach repentance mm-hmm. and how... Like what is the kingdom and what mm-hmm. is the gospel? Yep. And uh, maybe more on that as we. Yeah, and I think that's real important. The you know, um, I know, and, and you're aware of this, Sam, because um, you've you've been part of of me learning this, but and and changing my perspective, but <clears throat> um, developing a kingdom mindset I think is is critical for our Christian maturity absolutely um, yeah because there really there there really are only two kingdoms mm-hmm. there is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light mm-hmm. there's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Hell, I guess the worldly, the worldly kingdom. kingdom. Yeah. But all yeah. of those are under the rule and reign of Satan. Yeah, I mean he's he's the, or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he's he's behind it all. Yes, he's he's behind he's he's the principality. Um, there are but, principalities and powers. Yes, and yes. they're they're behind all the other kingdoms. That's yes. not to say that there aren't godly people in places right. of power because there are. Um, God puts some there, yeah. but they are few and far between, yeah. and they are they are in they are in very difficult places, um, and that's that's more for another and, day. And but it's important to note where those kingdoms are in place. Yes, there's oppression, there's mm-hmm. injustice, there's injustice, there's even self oppression. Yes, where the where those kingdoms are still alive in that's us, right. there's self oppression and oppression of people around us. 
And this whole repent. That's right. Because the kingdom of heaven is here now. That's right. This new kingdom has... This is Jesus' declaration That's right. and inauguration of his kingdom. He's right. planting his flag. That's right. And he's saying, You've, you can turn to my kingdom. Repent is you turn to my kingdom now. That's right. There's going to come a day when I will sort out who is serving my kingdom mm-hmm. and who is serving the other kingdom. Mm-hmm. There's a, like, a grace period. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. And this is the announcement. That yeah. that to me is the gospel. Yeah. That's the gospel that we should still be preaching. Absolutely. Is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus has freed us. He has put these other principalities mm-hmm. to open shame. Yep. It was Colossians yep. chapter two. He's put these principalities to open shame through his death on the cross, resurrection. Are you going to continue to ally yourself with these defeated kingdoms, or are you coming on board with my kingdom? Mm -hmm. And then the immediate question follows, so if Jesus is inaugurating his kingdom, what does it look like for me to turn from the kingdom I was serving? That's right. To your kingdom, what does that kingdom look like? And the Sermon on the Mount is immediately the description right. of this new That's kingdom. Right. This That's is right. how my people. Look. This is what my kingdom looks, and this is what the this is how the people in my kingdom look. Yeah, this is how my kingdom operates. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So my verse I chose was Matthew four ten, and this is at the end, uh, or this is in the, um, at the end of Jesus's temptation. This is a great one. Yeah, yeah, I love just the way Jesus uh, handles his adversary here. And uh, he basically just says, be gone, Satan. <laughs> yeah, this is a good back pocket yeah. memorization yeah. verse. Be, be gone, gone, Satan. <laughs> For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And so I, I chose this verse because, one, I, I like it because of the way he handles the enemy and showing his authority over the enemy, and we can speak to the enemy mm-hmm. um, uh, with the authority of the name of Jesus. And uh, But uh, only if we are being obedient to and walking in this commandment that Jesus quotes after he tells Satan to be gone, and that is, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And so, <clears throat> um, if I want to have authority, and if I want to be able to stand against the devil and his schemes and his, you know, his temptations, then I've got to know the Word of God, mm-hmm. and I've got to be obedient to the Word of God. Because that is a quote. That is. Do you know where it's quoted? Offhand? No. Deuteronomy 6, 13. It was a footnote in the Bible I ran. I don't have that memorized. <laughs> but what's significant, that's like right after the yeah. Shema. Yeah. So, the Shema is 6, 4. This is 6, 13. So like, again, just uh, re-emphasizing, you know, the goal of Disciple 52 yeah. is we want to be able to quote yeah. what is written. Yeah. When we need to. He didn't have a little handy 
Bible out there. No, in he the didn't. Desert, flipping, he had he flipped he to the knew page, he was familiar you know. with what the Word of God said, and so um, it's it's equally important to know what the Word of God says and also what it does not say. He even used you know what's dawning on me right now. He's even using that. He's not using that as a single verse quote. He no. is invoking the spirit of the Shema, which is a statement of allegiance. Okay. Of singular allegiance to, to Yahweh. I got you. Um, if you're not familiar with the Shema, it's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great uh, <clears throat> to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and then you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. And you shall not go up after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you. From off the face of the earth. So he wasn't just proof texting this one little no. verse. He was invoking the entire passage of singular well, allegiance. Here you have yeah. the word of God in the flesh. Yeah. St- quoting and, and, and like you said, evoking the authority of the word of God. You know, it is like Satan had to go. <laughs> Yeah, and he could have done it through any other mechanism. He is God. Yeah, he could have. He didn't have to. He didn't have to follow it up with that. No, be gone, Satan. But as <laughs> I feel like, as an example to us, he's like, I'm not only going to overcome That's temptation. Right. That's right. I'm going to do it with means that you have at your disposal. That's right. That's you can right. follow me in doing this That's with right. these tools. That's right. You know, That's same right. results. That's right. And you know, I think about the verse. Such an incredible verse for us that says. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Yeah. And um, so let me encourage you, as, as I'm listening to Sam talk about and just read these powerful scriptures, um, I'm, I'm recently, um, I've had an opportunity to spend a good bit of time with my adult children. And more and more and more, I'm hearing them say, in conversation to other people, my daddy always said this. My daddy always said, my daddy used to say this all the time. And it's Bible verses, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's truths that's in God's word. And I want to say, listen, if you're at home, if you're if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're a work 
out of the house mom and and career, dads whatever let me please encourage you take the word of god and sit down with your children and and make scripture memory part of your life it will pay huge dividends so i don't have adult children no but I have you will very small <laughs> and uh my daughter who is about to turn four yep her mom texted me i was at my parents house and um my wife texted me that in her nighttime prayers she said she started sprinkling in some apostles creed oh you ascended into heaven yes and i'm like a three-year-old can grasp that's right that that's right. And, like, does she grasp the fullness no. of what that means? No. No. But the fact that she, through repetition, has... And the foundation is being laid. Yeah. I mean, and she used it, pro- like, in a prayer. Yeah. She was praying and yeah. told you, you ascended into heaven. And, you know, so it is uh, worth your time. What's interesting, too, is... Um, you know, my kids are, are far from perfect. I see them struggling with with life and wrestling just like we all do. And sometimes I hear them say like, you know, I wish I had known such and such when I was this age or that age. And recently I was cleaning out a closet and come across one of my children's journals that they were writing in when they were 13 and 14 years old. And they don't they don't realize it today, but at that time they were writing very they were writing the word of God and they were writing they were talking about the truths of God's word. Yeah. But they don't even remember that. And and because listen, when you're a teenager, you've got so much going on in your yeah. development and and so the word of God is powerful. It it will not return void. No. And so I just want to wrap up this uh, episode by saying um, to those of you who are engaged in Disciple 52, I'm so proud of you and, and you it will pay big dividends in your, in your spiritual growth and in your faith. And I just want to encourage you to um, those you have influence over, family, co-workers, get them involved in learning what the Word of God says. Absolutely. See you guys next week.